All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Lounsbury, here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor, on a fine summer day, man, as summer's kindly finally coming to a close, and we're getting some fall weather up ahead of us and getting ready to get closer to some basketball. Lucas, how have you been, my friend? Yeah, I've been good, man. Uh, like you said, the season is pretty much right around the corner, man. You know, it's, it doesn't even feel real that the offseason is coming to a close already. But here we are, Pat. Training camp's about to kick off, man. And I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, covering some real-life basketball again, Pat. How yeah, about you, man? How have you been? I'm doing, doing fantastic, man. And I'm just excited that we have stuff to talk about, right? Like, we've had some movement lately from other teams in the East. So we're going to be going ahead and addressing some of that, see how the East stacking up now. Um, we had some unfortunate news with an injury as well. So uh, just a lot going on uh, to finally get us back uh, up and popping, have the little podcast, get some news out, get some takes off. So I'm just excited. Absolutely, bro. Like you said, though, unfortunately, one thing we have to talk about is really is not great news, Pat. And it really crushes me, you know, because I was really high on this guy when we signed him, Pat. But, uh, you know, Danilo Allen, uh, Gallinari tearing his ACL in the Euro basket. Originally, they thought it was maybe just a meniscus tear and that he would be back by Christmas. But unfortunately, that was not the case, Pat. And uh, we're going to be missing Gallo the whole year. So no Gallo this season, most likely, Pat. Uh, take me through how you were feeling when it happened and basically – Know how you think it affects your uh, outlook for the season? Um, yeah, I mean, like Gallo going down is definitely like not ideal, right? We we don't want to see a guy go down. Also, shout out to Gallinari and, and his family and friends. Hopefully, he he makes a speedy recovery. You never want to see a guy, you know, with a, a serious injury like that ever, or injury in general. Uh, when I first saw the news, it I, I saw the a picture on Twitter and I was like, "Ooh, that does not look great." Like it it was like a non contact stepping on the ground and you could see like a muscle. It, it was not looking good. Um, they kind of downplayed it a bit and then it, it came out like, Oh, it's, it, it just kind of was like, uh, doesn't look like it's going to be that serious. And then we end up getting an MRI, uh, just a few days later. And the report comes out that it's a, a torn ACL. And he's been missing the whole year. So, uh, just kind of went through a lot of different emotions because it seemed like we might get them back before Christmas. And then it seemed like maybe a little after Christmas to like going out of the season. So uh, losing the the eighth man, eighth best, ninth man, best man off your bench. It's, it sucks for rotational reasons, but as far as overall outlook for the Celtics, like it doesn't change their championship window and the amount of minutes that you would play in a championship run, the Gallo sometimes in some series, I don't think would have been, playing even more than like 10 minutes. So uh, I would say my total outlook on it is the, the Celtics are still in a good position to, you know, reclaim the Eastern conference. Yeah. I mean, it sucks because one thing we were really looking forward to was having that depth, you know, that squad depth, you know, that eighth, ninth guy being, you know, really able to like be counted on, you know, for a good offensive production, obviously with Gallo, you wouldn't be seeing great defense. But that's not what we brought him in for. But, you know, all things considered, you know, it's a loss that the Celtics look like they might be able to afford. You know, it's easy to say that now before any basketball is played. But as far as, you know, any guy that could have gone down preseason, I mean, Gallo's the one that hurts the team the most. But, 
you know, it sucks to kind of talk about it that way. Honestly, I just disappointed for Gallo, disappointed for this team, disappointed for Brad, you know, one of his first, you know, moves, bringing him in on free agency. So we'll have to see how things play out, Pat. I mean, they kind of mentioned a story broke about Sam Hauser, you know, getting a good chunk of those minutes, Pat. And you know me, I've been on Hauser Island for a while now, Pat. So, you know, that was kind of music to my ears. Okay. Um, However, that is a big drop off. Uh, you know, at, least uh, in, yeah. at least in pedigree, you know, from Danilo Gallinari to Sam Hauser. So we'll see how Sam, you know, handles a uh, potentially expanded workload, which I like to see, though. Yeah, and and I think something with Gallo that doesn't get talked enough is is sometimes it's not so much of like the level of like talent he is but so much also he has a veteranship about him right so when things are kind of getting crazy in a game or in a playoff series or something like that gallo is would have been one of those guys that you could have leaned on a bit like kind of like al horford where it's like a, a veteran older player that that just knows how to go out there and handle moments so i think that's part of the presence that that you lose the most is some of the veteranship that i think gallo would have been able to bring that's one of the traits i was most excited for so I, when you're also talking about Sam Hauser versus Gallo, I think that's the hugest drop-off. Outside of even talent-wise, I know that there's a, a talent gap there too. But I think the veteranship gap is something that hurt the Celtics more when switching from those two players. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big uh, gap in, in experience, obviously, there. Um, so hopefully Gallo's still vocal, you know, on the bench, although he won't be playing. But uh you know, going to need definitely our leaders to step up. Guys like Al, you know, Smart's pretty much veteran of the house now. Um, so, yeah, we'll see who, you know, picks up that leadership role. But it is very disappointing, man, regardless. You know, I see a lot of people freaking out or freaking out about it right away. I don't think it's worth freaking out over, but I also don't want to brush it off like, oh, Celtics are guaranteed to win 65 games. We didn't even need Gallo. Like, I don't want to have that attitude towards it. Um, but I definitely think, like I said, could have suffered, you know, a lot greater impact, you know, and, uh, thankfully, and hopefully it stays that way. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, moving on from, from gap, um, sorry, I think I was just getting a call. Um, Moving on from the Gallo situation, we, we do have some shakeup in the Eastern conference that we do need to address. One of the things uh, to address, we'll we'll start with the first one uh, happened today. Actually, uh, Montrez Harrell ended up signing a two-year contract with Philadelphia, and now we end up, uh, you know, got the the Philadelphia 76ers who've already reamped their roster. Kind of add another piece to that. I know Lucas that you weren't as high on the addition of the piece, but. I mean, it's still not a terrible pickup, right? Like you're talking about a guy who's going to be playing behind Joel Embiid, so your best player's position, which means you're you're really just kind of looking to fill some minutes, you know, to where you're not not somebody to take over a big role. So, how do you overall feel, and how do you think that kind of impacts the Sixers uh, next season? You know, it doesn't really move the needle for me at all, man. I mean, I think he's a decent backup center. He's not a very good defender. You know, he's somebody who's not going to, you know, increase your ball movement. But, you know, he can get a bucket. And I respect Trez for what he does there. But I just – that does not really move the needle to me. I think that 
he is a defensive liability and uh you know it's just hard to see any sort of you know rim protection outside of Joel Embiid on that team you know I know I know they do have a good number of perimeter defenders and guys like Melton and Thibel who people really love to hype up um PJ Tucker um and now they add uh you know, Trez to that mix of bench guys. Trez is not really good at defense, so that's why I'm lower on the move. I don't think he's a super impact offensive player either. Uh, does not space the floor at all. But like you said, he's not going to play a big role, so he should be fine. But honestly, this does not really make me feel any more, you know, that the Sixers are any more formidable now than they were before, honestly. So how about you, though? Um, I, I definitely think that adding a guy like Montrose Harrell, like – it's still good, right? Like, I'm not going to overly downplay it or anything like that because, I mean, this guy did just win, you know, six men a year not that long ago. Um, he, he, yeah, it was like two or three years ago. He definitely has the ability to get some buckets rapidly. And I think it could be beneficial uh, against some teams in a sense where, you know, they're not as downhill attacking the rim and possibly, like, I mean, in a series like against like the Warriors, you know, you're not really stressing as much on the rim protection when the team's going to be shooting a lot of outside shots, et cetera. So I, I just think like the Sixers add a good piece behind Embiid that's, you know, can go in there and maybe just he's good energy, right? Like I, watching Harold play, like even if he doesn't do a lot of the things defensively, he goes out there and plays with a ton of effort. And sometimes he, he goes on like a little 12 point stretch. I know there was that time where uh, we played the wizards last year. And he torched us. I think he torched us for like Grant. It was Grant. He was just yeah. It was Grant. So like, I mean, at that point, it's like, you know, he may give up eight points on your side, but if he go out there and drop sixteen, it, like he helps you that night. You know, it's that's not always gonna happen. Yeah. And I was gonna say that's my thing is I don't really. I'm counting on him more consistently giving up those points than making back the points. I guess is my big thing with Harold, man. And honestly. Then we can just get into the overall discussion about Philly is that, I mean, I think Philly lacks shooting. That's one thing that scares me for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a big thing for me. Tobias and Harden don't, aren't enough to get it done. Aren't going to save you. Embiid's a decent shooter. I'll give him that. But, I mean, P.J. Tucker, okay, they're going to say it's corner three. But that's not a guy I'm, like, super scared of taking, like, multiple threes, like five, six, seven threes in the game. You know, I think – when you have a guy like Embiid and Harden on the floor, you're living with those PJ Tucker shots, especially if you can, you know, get a hand up. Um, so he just doesn't add to that. You know, maybe some would say he had some vertical spacing, some rim gravity. You know, I think that's there's probably some truth to that. But overall, I wouldn't say it's a bad move. I just it doesn't really move the needle for me. But it's not definitely not a bad. I wouldn't consider it a bad move. No, absolutely. And and uh, one other point to that too is like. The Sixers don't even need him to be positive, right? Like if he was neutral, if he goes neutral, if he's given up the same amount of points he's putting up and he goes neutral, they win. That's a win for the Sixers because those are likely minutes that Embiid's resting. So uh, the the biggest thing is when your best players are not on the court is that you try not to lose your minutes by too much. And I don't think Harrell is going to prevent – like he at least gives them a chance not to lose it by like a ton, right? And I, I just think he has that ability to kind of at least go even. So that's fair. And I should also include Tyrese Maxi in there as a guy who can really shoot the ball. Yeah, Maxi, Maxi's a Maxi's he's a bucket. So maybe I'm underselling, but 
I, that just doesn't that, that lineup of shooters is not guys I'm like freaking out about. You know, knockdown shooters. Um, you know, Tobias, if you get a hand up, I feel pretty decent about that. Um, Harden is not shooting at the same clip as he used to, but still, you know, you're obviously scared of Harden, you know, to some degree from the outside. But I think Philly is going to be good this year. Um, we'll just have to see how they do in the playoffs, probably. Uh, and health, honestly, health permitting guys like Harden and Embiid need to stay healthy, you know, for them to really have a chance. So I think the Sixers can compete. But Pat, you know, I still believe the Celtics are a better team than them, even post Gallo injury. I mean, that's a that's a fair assessment. Um, another team that we've saw improve in the Eastern Conference with a big uh, trade splash was Donovan Mitchell going to Cleveland. Uh, you know, they were sending out Colin Sexton, some picks out towards Utah. Uh, but that makes Cleveland a, a much more interesting team. You know, you got Garland there, and they have Mitchell to the mix. You have Karis LeVert. You have Evan Mobley, who I believe is going to be a, you know, all-defensive and future all-star. You got Jared Allen. And then you got cool, like, solid, deep, um, you know, bench pieces in, in Ricky Rubio, uh, Isaac Okoro, if he develops even more, Kevin Love. Uh, so just, just seeing Cleveland really ramp up and, and go for it and go get themselves a, another really solid piece to add to an already very young and talented roster. Definitely, overall, I think ranking-wise, they jump immediately but it doesn't mean that they jump into contention. Yeah, no, I'm, I agree with you. Uh, let me ask you though, Pat, what type of, you know, what do they say it is? They say it's a what league nowadays? It's a uh, who's, miss, who's miss, miss or make league, you know, it's a miss or make league. No, no. Who, whose league is it? Oh, it's Giannis's league, man. He's the best player. It's a wings league. league. It's a wings league in today's day and age. Right. Well, I think Cleveland is going to be very fun. I mean, Garland, one of my favorite players. Mobley, by far one of my favorite young players. Like you said, all-star level potential, all-defense level potential, potentially defensive player of the year type potential, okay? Jared Allen, all-star, awesome worm protector. They have no wings. Where are the wings? So, you know, I don't love the the backcourt defensively, obviously, between Mitchell and Garland. Offensively, it's phenomenal. Um, However, you know, you have Allen and Mobley to clean up the mess, right? But – at the end of the day, when push comes to shove in the playoffs, it comes down to matchups, right? And there are no wings that are going to be able to really match up on the top wings in the East, guys like Jalen Brown, guys like Jason Tatum, which is why I think, Pat, to circle it back in, they move up in the rankings for me, no question. But for the wings reason, they don't really, you know, fall into that category of contention for me yet. However, definitely a team I'm going to watch – uh, I'll board the 25, 30 games probably this year. Going to watch a lot of Cavaliers this year because I'm sure they'll be a really fun team to watch. Yeah, you're talking about them now, a, a team with, you know, three of their best players are under the age of 25, you know. So they're they're definitely going in a correct direction with how they were aggressive. Is They just didn't went out there and get, like, an older guy, that, like, superstar or anything. They didn't, like, sell the boat for, like, a KD to try to make that push or anything like that. They went for a guy more in their age group and that fit their timeline, and I think that was a smarter way to go about it, right? Like, I don't think it was a bad deal for Cleveland to do what they did. I think it was a good opportunity for them to go get themselves a, a guy they feel really confident about that – you know, has been an all-star and has solidified himself as a, a pretty consistent 
uh, score in this league. And they add that to a mix of younger talent as he's also young to just see if they can maximize the potential that they have on the roster. I mean, you're talking about a, you know, Evan Mobley is really the guy I think in this group that controls how far Cleveland goes over the next few years, because how fast does he get to that all-star and all defensive level, right? Like if you told me Evan Mobley was an all NBA first team and an, and a like all-star already, then I would be talking about this team as a potential contender. So for me, their team now kind of, relies on the development of Evan Mobley moving forward. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's how that's how close they are to contention though for me. Is is there really Evan Mobley development away? Yeah, I mean I think that's the big thing that's, you know, blocking them from being one of the top teams, you know, is him just his young age. However, as long as they are best their best legitimate wing, to me is Isaac Okoro, they're gonna have some problems. You know, Levert, okay. You know, obviously he's better than Okoro, but I don't know if I consider him like a guy, like a wing like that, who he's going to match up on Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, you know, guys of that ilk. So I don't really put him in that category. So the wings thing is always going to play a part for me, but Mobley's growth, you know, might be able to potentially supersede the need for wings because he has insane defensive potential. He moves differently than big guys, you know, than 99% of big guys out there. And Jared Allen is a phenomenal rim protector, so their defense could end up holding up. Um, but at the end of the day, it does the game slows down in the playoffs. We all know this. We see this every year. And with no wings, they're always going to, you know, draw a little bit of skepticism from me. That's pretty much the story at the end of the day. However, don't want to sound like I'm low, Pat. I really do like what the Cavs have going on. I think they gave up a, a pretty good bit. But at the end of the day, if Donovan Mitchell resigns and Mobley develops and they keep this core intact between Garland, Allen, Mobley, and Mitchell, those picks, Pat, are gonna be middle of the middle of the first round. Fifteen to twenty-five. Okay. That team is never gonna suck as long as they have Evan Mobley and Darius Garland on it, really, at the end of the day going forward. So I don't think they gave up too much. Um, and honestly, Pat, my big takeaway is that I think the winners here are the Knicks. I mean, I don't think the I mean the Knicks they didn't overpay for a guy that wouldn't have made them much better than they already are, if at all. Okay. Cause if they got their team for Donovan Mitchell, they would have been bad. Instead they play the long game, you know, hopefully you can move that Randall contract with some picks for a different disgruntled superstar. You know, I know Twitter likes to get their jokes off about the Knicks, Pat. Oh, the Knicks failed their rebuild. Okay. No failing the rebuild would have been giving up three, four players and four first round picks for Donovan Mitchell. So that's my opinion about that. Um, I don't know if you think the Knicks should have went and traded RJ Toppin and Grimes plus three picks for him, but you know, I I don't think it, I'm not saying the Knicks should have done it or anything like that, but I mean, you know, like it, it happened, right? Like they just didn't land them. The Knicks are our future. It looks way worse than Cleveland, you know. So uh, I think at the end of the day, I don't know if they necessarily won. Because we don't know what that ends up being, right? We still can't tell the future. But tell me, but tell me why, but tell me why their future looks better. Because they were able to give up three, four assets, three picks, and retain a good team around Donovan Mitchell. Knicks Absolutely, yeah. would not have been possible. That's kind of why I'm saying like the Knicks of old might have unloaded Grimes, who's a very promising player, plays winning basketball, unloaded Toppin, who has been terrific when he started. His starting numbers are actually kind of ridiculous. You wouldn't even believe them if you saw them. 
Um, and then RJ, who, you know, I'm a very high on as a young player. You know, you give up those three guys plus three picks for Donovan. Now you have terrible defensive backcourt, but without Evan Mobley and Jared Allen behind you <laughs> to, you know, help clean up the mistakes. So. Absolutely. It's, they're, they're definitely differently constructed teams. I, you know, like having a Randall, you know, Mitchell Robinson, Mitch, uh, and then Donovan Mitchell with a, you know, Brunson. Yeah. I mean, that's still not like, that's not a terrible team. And I think the Knicks, the Knicks would have gotten, they would have been, they would have been proved, but I don't think the gap that they improved in would have been worth the trade. Yeah. And you know, I'm not, I mean, I understand that, but I also don't, I don't really know if that's an improved team, man. And that hey, that's fine. And, you know, that's a matter of opinions. But, I think but, at that point. but I think I think it's close, right? Like, I mean, it's not like the principle stays the same. Like, what, yeah. was it worth it? You're not saying they improved by like they're not going from the te- like the Cavs. They're not yeah. going from playing. I think the Cavs situation makes more sense because of the type of team construction and also the ages of everybody compared to the Knicks. Absolutely. Well, honestly, see, and that's the thing. Before we move on, because I could, you know, we don't have to talk about the Knicks all day, but the thing is, is that the Knicks, outside of Fournier, Randall, and Rose, they have a promising team of 25 and under guys. It's just that, you know, the two most, two out of the three most highest paid guys and then three out of the top four are older veterans who pretty much need the ball a lot of the time, especially Randall and Rose, to be successful. And then you have a coach who notoriously is not great with the young guys. So the Knicks need to make a decision about which direction they're going in Buy into the rebuild. I think this team has got some pretty good foundation. But, Pat, as far as the teams at the top of the East, the Knicks are not somebody I'm considering at all. Uh, Pat, let me get your take on the Milwaukee Bucks, man. Milwaukee Bucks. Um, well, that's just going to segue into our in our final segment here anyways, uh, talking about the top of the Eastern Conference and where we kind of have these powerhouses at. One of those teams that we do need to, to address is the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, obviously a, a team that won a championship two years ago, right? And, um, you know, possibly would have had competing for back-to-backs had, you know, Chris Middleton maybe not get hurt. You know, who knows how that kind of worked out. But we don't really uh, – we can't really go back in time and tell, you know, and, and make him healthy. So uh, this Milwaukee team is still talented. And I think when you have the best player in the NBA – and you have enough pieces around him, like any year could be your year. And Giannis, another year to get better. He's looking fantastic uh, playing an international ball right now too. Uh, he's You saw that block that he had on the guy where he just reached so high up in the sky to, to get. It was insane three-point block. But uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are, are definitely a team that should not go under the radar and be looked as – one of the more favorited, you know, championship contenders. I think Vegas has them as the second favorites behind us right now. Um, so I, I definitely think that Milwaukee poses the most threat to us in the whole entire East. And I'm right there with you on that one, man. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks are a terrific team. We saw it up close, you know, last season when they took us to seven without Chris Middleton. And, uh, you know, I think Giannis, like you said, he's balling out at the Eurobasket. That block was insane. And I think Giannis is still that guy who's on top of the league, the best player on both sides of the ball, unstoppable, dominant force man. And uh, 
You know, Pat, I know we had a conversation. You know, I, I'm not really mad at anybody who wants to consider the Bucks the favorites. At the end of the day, you know, I do believe that the Celtics are the favorites, in my opinion. Um, but the Bucks are right on their tail, and I really don't think you can overlook them to the point where if somebody takes them as their favorite in the East, I'm not going to be too mad, um, even if I disagree. But, you know, I think they definitely are a force, uh, you know, to be reckoned with. They bring in Ibaka, okay. Um, they brought back Bobby Portis, okay. Um, you know, they pretty much have the same exact team outside of that. And then they drafted, you know, uh, that rookie Marjan Bochamp who could, you know, kind of be a fun player for them. So, you know, they didn't add too many players, honestly. Um, you know, so I'm not sure that I'm, like, qu- you know, quivering in fear or anything, but I definitely know that they have to be taken seriously as a threat because as long as number 34 is out there, man, that team's going to have a chance. Absolutely. And let's let's just go down the line here. Uh, let's just have our, our top six teams in the East. I think that will be the best way to kind of get an idea of who we feel is, is pretty much locked in for us as playoff teams. I, I will also let everybody know that uh, I did make a wager with um, the guys over at the, the Bulls podcast about the Bulls season because I don't have them in my top six. And some people might think that's a spicy take or, or whatnot, but Bulls will not be in my top six list. So that's a little spoiler Ooh. to go ahead. But let's let's come in. Let's let, We'll build from our sixes up, and then uh, we'll just go – We'll go you, and then I'll go, and then I'll start the fifth round, and then or okay, we we could do that too. Um, My sixth uh, team here, I I definitely am gonna go with a little bit of one of my my darker horses here in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think the Hornets find some stability in a sense, and I like them in at six. Uh, I know that's not gonna be a popular pick, but in my top six, I kind of wanted to. It's not popular with me. Oh, I know. I, I don't think it's. I don't think they're in a lot of people's top six, and I understand why. Especially because with the Miles Bridges things, I think if Miles Bridges things wasn't a thing right now, people would like it a lot more. Uh, but I have. I just think Lamelo takes the jump, is what I'm anticipating, and I think there's enough jump for him to raise the people around him, and so I I really do like um, the Hornets coming in at six. Yeah, the Hornets, honestly, were not even in consideration for my list. I mean, I have them probably at about 10 um, or 11 maybe, but uh, I like the boldness, Pat. I got to respect it. I know you're a LaMelo guy, so, you know, I I understand, you know, he could uh, have some sort of jump. Um, I'm probably going to tap in at number six here with um, – it's tough. I'll probably say the, I'll say the Toronto Raptors. That would have been um, my that would have been my my next one. It's just so that's that's a team that I dropped down to let the Charlotte Hornets in. Yeah, see, I definitely got the Raptors. I mean, you know, Masai Ujiri loves his six foot nine army over there. You know, basically wants guys who can do a little bit of everything with a lot of size. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam's a vastly underrated player, still in my opinion. He's an All NBA level player. Um, he was so good after you know the first month and a half of last year. He just was so good the rest of the year. Uh, I think they have a great coach in Nick Nurse, Fred Van Fleet, OG Ananobi, you know, Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes is awesome. You know, I think we can go all day about some of the guys on their team. So for me, they just slot in at number six. I feel like they aren't respected, honestly. 
for some reason when they just have these winning seasons. Like that won 48 games last year. I mean, and that was with the almost some injuries. So, you know, I think uh, Toronto is going to be in the top six this year. How about your number five? Pat? I love it. I love it. Um, all right, number five on my list. And this one shouldn't come too much of a shock with people, but it, it still might ruffle some feathers. I'm coming with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think they made enough to solidify themselves. That's this is the jump I'm talking about. They go from, you know, finishing last year as the ninth seed in the playing situation. You know, they were they were really four games away from from the fifth, you know, seed last year. And you're talking about Jared Allen going down for them, but now they add a guy like Mitchell. I, I just think that uh, they could definitely get around that 47 to 50 win season and get themselves in the in that fifth seed. So I'm I'm landing with the Cavaliers here at the fifth. Yeah, definitely respectable pick. Um, you know, honestly, there's a few teams in consideration here for me right now, and one team is not going to make the cut. Um. Is it is it Atlanta that slips out for you that no, you're I looking think, at? I, I think Cleveland slips out. Oh, uh, no! I'll give the Cleveland nod at five. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I think that with Jared Allen, you know, with a healthy season, this team would have finished a lot higher in the standings than last year. No, Pat, the team I'm considering it was the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, so Atlanta doesn't look like. I mean, maybe you have them higher in the list, but I, I think. It's no. it's safe to say that we both have them slipping out of the top six. Yes, and I do have Cleveland definitely over Atlanta. I have Brooklyn over Atlanta. You know, I think Toronto has a high enough floor. Like, I think we know what they're going to be. Their ceiling might be a little lower than some of these other teams. That's why I slot them in there at six. But see, Brooklyn, man, it just seems so uncertain. You know, the only thing I'm certain of is they have no defense, okay? Um. So they're just too – it's too hairy of a situation. So I'm going to put the Cavs at number five because I do think that team was better than the Nets last year, you know, even with all the weird stuff happening, you know, on and off the court. And then they got injured and they fell down to that nine spot. So, you know, I do believe in the move. I think I'm going to put Cleveland in my top five at number five. You know what? I respect it. I do respect it. And that brings us down to our fourth pick right now. So – Fourth seeds falling in, and oh, let me kick it off. Let me kick it off. Go for it. Go for it. I think it's we're gonna land on uh, the same area. So, oh, okay. I wonder. I wonder if we do. So, at number four, I have last year's number one seed. Okay, the Miami oh, Heat tapping in at number four. Okay, um, you know, a lot of people probably have them top three. I do not. Okay, Kyle and Jimmy are a year older. You know, Bam is. I said this last year. When Bam becomes the best player on that team and, you know, he's certified, you know, can just – will go get a bucket, that is when Miami will see different heights, okay? But I still have to respect them enough. Like, you know, I want to – Brooklyn and them is tough, honestly, to me. Cleveland and them is tough. Um, I'll take them over Atlanta, and I'll take them over Chicago. A little bit of a debate there for the Cavs or maybe even um, not so much with the Raptors, a little bit with the Raptors, but – I think I still got to respect, you know, how much of a, you know, good product they put out every year. Jimmy Butler is not going to turn into a terrible player. Um, Kyle Lowry, you know, is nearing the end of his good years. I think it seems like maybe he comes back in better shape. Um, But right now I'm going to put them at the number four seed because I got respect for them. But I also am a little bit wary of, you know, them against some of these other teams come playoff time. 
Yikes, man. I'm going to get roasted for this. You don't even got him in the top six. Let me get roasted for it. And I, I, I did that on purpose, though. Like, I mean, I'm, I hate to – I don't know if that's ever happened where, like, a team uh, – I'm sure it's happened before. Like, a number one seed ends up dropping out of the top six next year. Um, I just see Miami possibly being a playing team. Um, and the reason I have for that is Miami – was one of the fewer teams I felt were trying really hard for seeding later on in the year because of how close it was. They were trying to lock up that first seed. They're trying to get the home court advantage, et cetera. So I think they um, overachieved in the sense of like the rest of the competition was starting to rest people. Like we saw Milwaukee, you know, not playing Giannis for a couple of games. We saw Tatum sit a couple of games in the last couple of weeks, even when we were fighting for seeds and stuff. So, um, uh, Miami really wasn't resting anybody. They were trying really hard to get there. I, I just don't think that they have as much in the tank this year, like we stated, a, a year older and everything like that. And on top of it, I, I think Brooklyn is ends up landing at the fourth seed. And the reason I think Brooklyn ends up at the fourth seed, they were, they were uh, seven games back from the fourth seed last year. And... I'm telling you right now, I think Kyrie Irving plays more seven more games than he played last year. You know, and and so I think it's very obtainable for them to get into a position where they're in a top four seeding. And I do have it's definitely yeah, so it's certainly in in question. I'm finishing high, absolutely. Yeah, and I understand the pushback on Brooklyn, um, but I also do think that Ben Simmons returns and plays basketball um, this season and. And I think that's also a big reason to to make up seven wins, you know, to improve seven wins. I I look at how can a team do that? It's Kyrie Irving playing more games. You know, you got KD to to recommit and resend his trade request. And then you have Ben Simmons possibly, you know, returning as well. Uh, I just think there's a lot of things that could swing right for them. And if they, they fall into place, even like, you know, two of the things falling into place, I think seven more wins is obtainable and for them to reach the fourth seed overall. And I would say, though, while I do agree that that is that's certainly attainable, got to remember those seven wins, they're facing better competition this year. The East is better this year than it was last year. Absolutely. And that, that was my reason for Miami is I, I think Brooklyn gets better and they're part of the, the East getting better and they are part of the equation of that. And I didn't see Miami do much to get better. See, you know, the big thing with me here is defense. That's the decide my really what the two things that splits up those teams for me at the end of the day. Um, obviously, the Nets always have the edge and superstar power. Um, but the defense, man, I mean, Ben Simmons is the only – what is it? Ben Simmons and Royce O'Neal are the, and Nick Claxton are the three best defenders, man. Yeah, I mean, I I agree, and a lot of other negative defenders. You know what I'm but saying? You know, I would good. say that they're going to be better defensively this year than last year. Nah, I don't know, man. I think it's gonna be similar, maybe a little bit worse. Honestly, they lost their best perimeter defender. I mean, who's their best yeah. perimeter defender now? I mean, who's at the point of attack? I mean, Nick Claxton is a pretty solid rim protector, but. I mean, he's not somebody you're really super afraid of at the end of the day. You know, he is a solid player, though. I don't want to, you know, take a shot at the guy or anything, but I just think Ben Simmons, their defense could improve slightly, but it's so much pressure on Ben Simmons, bro. And Ben Simmons is not, as much as people want to make him out to be this, bro, he's not a small ball five. He's not a rim protector, man. So for Lucas, it's uh, Atlanta and Brooklyn not making the top six. And then for me, it's uh, Miami and Atlanta not making the top six. And I would throw the Bulls in there. 
Because the uh, the Bulls are a decent team, man. I mean, the Bulls. That, that hey, I made the bet. That's why I'll I mentioned the, Bulls, the bet. I mean, you know, with you know, Sports Ethos Bulls podcast. You know, I'm sorry, man. I, I just don't see the Bulls making that top six, man. That that's the bet. All right, so we can. I know. I think our three, two, one are going to be the. Well, actually, never mind. I have an idea of who you're. But our number three is going to be the same. I mean, it's the same. It's the Philadelphia 76ers. Correct. Yeah, I, I, we're both going to agree there. We've we've already made the points when we talked about Philly earlier as well. Like we we like what they what they have done this off season. They look great on paper. We've said this before in the past about Philly. It's about you know coming to fruition and and seeing how how committed is James Harden and how how well does he hold up because he's always seems to be dealing with a hamstring issue and not always a hundred percent himself when playoff time comes around. So. For me, uh, for them to have an opportunity here, because at this point we're talking about teams that have a chance to win the championship. Um, I, I think Philly's route to get out of the East is definitely going to be more on Harden than it is Embiid. But may, maybe I'm, I'm wrong for that. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, I like the Sixers. I mean, I like them a little more than I have in the past, but I'm still, I still have my doubts, but... I think I like the Melton trade a lot. I think their defense is going to be really solid. You know, like I, like Pat said, we made a lot of the points earlier. The shooting is a little bit concerning, but you know, they definitely have a definitely have some promise there in Philly. Absolutely, you know, it's going to be fun to see. You know, I'm actually hoping for a Nets uh, Nets Sixers playoff series. I need that. Like I need uh, air to breathe, man. I mean, that would be really entertaining for everybody, and you know, it would be an absolute war on Twitter between those fan bases. You know, or uh, what Nets fan base there is. You know, the Philly fans, we know are out there. The Nets fans, you know, uh, a little more few and far between. But uh, shout out Mina Kimes. But uh, no, I don't know. I mean, Pat, let, let's t- tell us who you have number two. Because for me right now, Milwaukee Bucks are number two and the Boston Celtics are number one. Pat, please don't upset me. Don't upset the listeners, man. Tell us who you got number two and number one. I, I think you, you kind of have a feeling here, right? Like, I absolutely have a feeling. And – so as as we gonna lay it out there, I I have to explain it, but I, I do have Boston coming in at number two, and to be fair, I've been pretty consistent with that, even when the off season happened and and everything's kind of been going on. I I really have said that I still think the Milwaukee should be favored in the East, and it's more so uh, it's it's really a respect thing, but also in the sense of like cool the last two years you know what have Milwaukee and Boston done? And, and it's like, we have a, a finals appearance and they have a championship, right? And okay, well we improved. We got Malcolm Brogdon and, you know, we, we added some guys and we're a different team now. And I, I totally get that. I hundred percent get that. Giannis is a, is an incredible player. And um, the fact that he's the best player in the league, um, we both unanimously thought that last year. I don't know how how much you'll agree with this, Lucas, but I still think there's there's ways for Giannis to be even better this year, and he's shown strides in areas to be better in those areas that you know aren't always his greatest. So for the best player to get better, and then also he's they already have the championship pedigree, they are experienced, they know how to get to the finals. Like it for me, the Milwaukee Bucks you know, land at the number one spot. So the Boston Celtics take a back seat. And 
for me, in order for to take over that spot, you either win a championship or you beat them when they're at their full. And, and that's where you get the nod of passing them. So that's just kind of where I land. Uh, but Lucas, love, love for your, your perspective. Well, that's an interesting argument. That's an interesting argument. I mean, my thing is, is that I'm going with the new blood, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. Giannis is incredible. He's the greatest player on earth to me. But you look at that, the, the rest of that roster, man, the supporting cast, I think pretty definitively it goes to the Boston Celtics. And I really do believe in Jason Tatum. We've seen him, you know, go toe-to-toe with Giannis. I don't think Jason Tatum is better than Giannis. That's not what I'm trying to say. But we all watched game six in Milwaukee. Went to his house and said, I'm not leaving out here without a W. So we know he can step up and do those things. And when you have, you know, the supporting cast that we do, you know, the the younger guys, the fresher legs, you know, I just think we have more talent, you know, down the roster, you know, I just buy into us a little bit more than the Bucks. As much as you, I love Giannis, and you know, know that he is one of the most physically and mentally dominating players that the league has seen in a while. And while I do agree with the fact that he can get better, I definitely don't disagree with that at all. I think every player can get better, and especially a guy with Giannis who has some deficiencies in his jumper, you know, and it started to look a little better. That scares the hell out of me. But at the end of the day, man, I mean, listen. I love Drew Holiday as well. Huge fan of him when he was on the Pelicans. Okay. Offensively, he, it's harder for him in the playoffs to get what he wants, to get his. Uh, Chris Middleton is going to be coming off the injury. You know, I think he's a terrific player. He's a very consistent guy. You know, I'll say this right now, and this might come back to friggin' bite me because he's a C's killer. I'll take Jalen Brown over Chris Middleton every day of the week as my second best player. Every day of the week, man. Okay, and then I also think, you know, between Al and Rob, you know, we have some decent bodies to throw at the rim there when Giannis is attacking. So I just like us, you know, in general, a little bit deeper, but I can definitely get your argument why, you know, you would pick the Bucks, even though we would have friggin' spanked those Suns teams, you know, that the, uh, that the Bucks beat. It's all good. That's a hypothetical that we don't even need to talk about because it's already in the past. Absolutely, and I, and I think we can both agree that, like, when it comes to the gap between Milwaukee and Boston, it's it's hair splitting, right? Like, I don't think that you don't think Boston is, you know, a gap better than Milwaukee, and I don't think Milwaukee's a, a gap better than Boston. I think the teams are in the same tier, absolutely. They're in the same tier, and and we we just have them in different spots in the tier. That that's simply what it comes down to. Uh, my question for you um, in regards to these two teams at the top is um, we both agree that Giannis is the best player. So the best number one is goes to Milwaukee. I will agree with you. I think Jalen Brown is the better number two option. When it comes to the third option, who has the edge? I'll tell you right now. I think it's close. I think it's close. You know, I, I don't think it's far off, but is Drew – Better Brogdon, than, better than better our offense. third best option? Brogdon is better offensively at his best. Right, right. And I think offensively, yeah, but I'm talking about like an overall, like as a player. Bro, for me, that player, the third best player on the Celtics is, this might be spicy, but I like Robert Williams. Okay. So, and do you think Robert Williams over Drew? I think I would rather compare guys who have similar roles. You know, I, right. like I would say that I'm taking Rob over like Brooke 
or or which Turner. is fair. And then so Every so time. you take in okay, so we'll do Marcus Smart or Drew. Well, see, honestly, I would look at Brogdon and Drew probably, and I think that it's the Celtics have the benefit. That's the huge reason why I probably have them number one. Right. Drew is that third guy, right? Let's yeah, well, that, that was going to be the next. That was going to be the next question, though. That's why. Let so, include, so it's like the one, two, three. I think Milwaukee. For me, I think Milwaukee has the edge, and then it was going to be like the rest of the supporting cast. And I think that Boston has a better supporting cast, and I think I think there's a gap there. So that's my thing, right? Is like you know, Boston bringing in Brogdon as a ball handler, as an offensive option, gives the Celtics the benefit, right? Okay, you're looking at Drew Holiday as their lead ball handler. Well, guess what? We have basically, you know, offensive, you know, offensive player like Brogdon, who's terrific. You know, he's a solid defender too, but offensively, he's everything you want in a lead ball handler, from scoring to playmaking to running the pick and roll. You know, and then you also have Smart, who in his own right has become a terrific, you know, you know, guy with the ball in his hands. But also, is obviously the depoy. So you know, it's best of both worlds at our you know lead ball handler spot, where you know Milwaukee is just relying on Drew a lot there. Um, so that's what really gives me the edge at the end of the day is particularly the Brogdon signing. I mean, that's what really pushes the Celtics over the Bucks, honestly. Because um, if Brogdon is healthy, let's not forget how good of a player he is. Um, so, you know, that's what gives me the edge. Um, and I do think we have a better bench too. Like, I love Serge Ibaka, man, but he's getting up there. I like Wes Matthews a lot, bro. Was more, honestly... I really loved him in Portland back in the day, and then he hurt himself. He's not this, he's older man. He can you know give you good moments, but that's about it. Bobby Portis, you know, I got nothing to say. That guy's awesome. Pat Connaughton, how much you really want to rely on? I feel a lot better about relying on guys like White, Brogdon, Smart for role players, Grant Williams, um, and then tragically, you know, we're not going to get to see Gallo. But I would lean Celtics. I would lean Celtics bench and you know supporting cast. Absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, we're, we're slightly different in our top six, but we've got some spicy takes in there and, and difference of opinions, which is, which is always better for the content anyways, too. So um, I didn't really have any much more to kind of put in on that top six. I uh, definitely think that the, the East is, is definitely stronger than it has been in, in recent past. And, Absolutely. I'm excited, man, because it's it's going to be a tough battle to get to the finals out the East, but it just means that like you're going to be really battle tested and, and expecting. So I just wish there was a team comparable to the Warriors in the East that kind of had that type of play style, so you can kind of like prepare for that. I think that's where the advantage, if the Warriors were to return back to the finals, they're always going to kind of have that advantage over the East because there's really not many teams that want to play like that style, uh, especially on the East. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I don't really have anything else to add as well. You know, coming up, we'll do the 2K ratings episode. We'll do the pick and schedule episodes coming up soon. So really looking forward to getting to uh, talk basketball again, man, after so many long months off of the NBA. But at least we have the WNBA playoffs tonight. Our Chicago Sky looking to secure another run to the finals. Let's go. The real CP3, Candace Parker. 
Yes, sir. And and make sure, again, you guys go ahead over to uh, Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify. Make sure you guys go ahead and leave us um, some ratings and reviews. We really appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for the support. Also, head over to Twitter. You can find Lucas at uh, Luca underscore Gainer. You can also find me at Ball and Opinions. You can also find the show at uh, Sports Ethos Celtics. Um, we appreciate all the love and support, man. Uh, we will definitely be pumping out more shows as the season gets closer and closer. We'll try to do some more fun shows and can't wait to, to really get closer to the season, man. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. Peace. All right. Bye.